Hello and welcome to the Becoming Podcast. This podcast is a place where deep, raw, and vulnerable conversation is commonplace. This podcast is here to help illuminate the collective consciousness, to get us thinking, to allow each of us to look deeply at the way that we live and if it's in alignment with our soul's intent. I hope that conversations here stir you to really contemplate your own life and to step forward into a braver and brighter version of you and to trust that it's not always an easy, light-filled path, but that often it's the shadows and challenges that we face that allow us to then see more clearly. I thank you for showing up and for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, I would so appreciate if you subscribed it, shared with friends, and expanded these conversations beyond just you listening. Also, if you're interested in joining the Becoming Community, I've started a Facebook page called Just That, the Becoming Community, and I hope to grow a space that we can collectively share our experiences on life, questions that we have, deep ponderings about how to live and show up more bravely, more fully, and more soulfully in our lives. So thank you again for being a part of this conversation. I think today's guest is going to be one more person you're going to learn to love just like I do. She is absolutely somebody who's living out loud, who's living unapologetically in her truth, and owns the messiness that's been her life so far. The, today's guest is Kelly McMullen. She is owner of The Space in Brighton, which is a movement-focused studio with a little bit of yoga, a little bit of hit training, some booty shaking, some jumping jacks, and a lot of positive um, mantras and deep, real talk. I think that you'll see, if you're familiar with me, you're going to find that Kelly speaks from a very similar vantage point, and we, again, as usual, could have talked for hours. So welcome to all of you listening, and welcome to Kelly. I think you're just going to absolutely love her. Hi, everybody. I am one, new mics, super excited about this, so let's see if I sound like a real professional now. I go by the fly by the seat of the pants rule on most things, including all interviewing for the most part. So here I am. Um, I am with the fabulous, light-filled, badass Kelly McMullen, Mm -hmm. who... I was thinking, I don't even know how we met, but I guess it doesn't matter, but um, back in the yoga days, I mm-hmm. think, early earlier years in our lives, and Kelly is the owner of The Space in Brighton. What is The Space? That's a great question. It, uh, it was coined the name The Space because I had a accumulation of things I wanted it to be. It was like, I didn't want it to be labeled as a yoga studio. I didn't want it to be a boutique fitness. I didn't want it to be called a wellness center spirituality center. I just wanted it to be called the space. So the space is a place where people can come as they are, get what they need. We do some yoga. Yeah. We do some hit. We do some hatha, slow grounding style of yoga. We do some meditation. We do some weight training. Yeah. Some of it's heated, some of it's not. And it's accumulation of what I consider movement mm-hmm. as medicine. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love that you didn't like, uh, you didn't limit yourself to what this had to be or Mm -hmm. become. And um, just today in class, Kelly was sharing about when she first tried out audition. That's what they call it in yoga, as if that makes it, um, I don't know. Actually, this, let's just go right there because that's already, that's part of the bullshit for me is this idea of auditioning. Like that then makes it sound like the yoga teacher's performing. 
Totally. Right. And like the whole thing that, that we have in common, I think deeply in common is that we really work on showing up, um, Mm -hmm. as ourselves. Mm -hmm. So auditioning and performing, um, maybe, maybe if we were to look at our archetypes, right, we have Mm -hmm. performer in it because we we're good at carrying space for groups, but like really, um, Mm. performing as an audition also just sounds like bullshit. Anyway, so you were talking about that and how you had to show up, um, to do that and that it was really challenging Mm -hmm. for you and you got, totally called out for not fitting the mold? Yeah. So I think it's an interesting topic of conversation. As a, fa- as a matter of fact, one of the reasons why I wanted to create the space as a non-judgmental, more free movement than, than confined movement, if you will, um, because I wanted people to be authentically themselves. I have struggled very deeply, um, and one of my missions I feel like in my life and one of my passions I always believe that our mission and our passion is just right underneath the limiting belief Mm. so when we have a limiting belief in our life something that has held us back and kept us small if we can just get right underneath that limiting belief it is the rainbow that we're supposed to share with the world yeah and one of the things that's been really difficult for me is to be authentically myself even at the risk of disappointing people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I came in and told you right at the beginning of class, right? Like, I just led this retreat, and we want to make now t-shirts that say hashtag disappointer. And I think we're, mm. we're fed so often in the world to show up in a way that keeps everybody else happy and content. And then we suffer miserably. Mm-hmm. And, um, and certainly what's so interesting, you've noticed the same thing, I'm sure, is that the women who are drawn to the practice of yoga, and certainly... For me, as an alignment-based teacher, I get the type A's, right? Sure. But you, as a high-energy fitness, really, instructor mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, you also get the type A's for different reasons. Exactly. Right. And so we inherently are drawing these people towards us who want to get it right or numb out unintentionally mm-hmm. through the use of what we're offering. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really fascinating. And teaching people to show up and freaking disappoint everybody else is really um, such a beautiful thing. It really is. And, like, one of the things I encourage in the in the studio is just that, which I wasn't encouraged in my own life, which is, why don't you step out and be uniquely you? you? Yeah. Because, by the way, somebody else has already taken. Totally. P.S., somebody right. else has already taken. Right. And we go back to that place where I had that original audition, and I'm using quotation marks with my fingers, like, yeah. audition, and I remember the push-pull, which is, I know what they want from me, mm-hmm. and I know what I want to give, yeah. and I know what I'm capable of, and I went with what felt right to me, and it was a complete utter failure in the eyes of them, but a complete success to me. Yeah. And again, one step in the direction of what I'm doing today. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So how did you, how long ago was that? That was, um, so, almost 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I know, yeah. right? Wow. Yeah. And you studied um, locally? I did. I went to um, the Center for Yoga. Yeah, I have a feeling that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cool. Uh, And um, so what happened next? So then it, as always, was a stepping stool. I didn't see it as a time at the time. You were heartbroken, I'm sure. Heartbroken, got in the car, bawled my eyes out, had to reevaluate the fact that I showed up as myself. It wasn't accepted. Went into that whole sort of spiral of like, now how do I show up for somebody else? And it was just this still, quiet, small voice inside of me. Some call it spirit guides. Yeah. Whatever, Whatever you it want is. To call it. Divine wisdom. Divine Higher wisdom. Self. It's all the same. Yeah. It was like, just keep being you. There's something mm, around the corner. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I cried for, for the sake of crying because... Disappointing people has always not been a strong suit of mine, and yeah. I wanted to 
to do well. I wanted to have a job and, um, and, and have an avenue. And so I just felt like looking back on it, it was a very, it was a defining moment for me. It was a defining moment for me. And it just was another moment where I kept finding my way through living in a way that felt authentic to me and maybe nobody would understand. And there were seasons where I would teach at studios and it wasn't what the studio was offering. And I just kept doing me along the way. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think um, I was thinking of that moment, right, that choice point. Like, I, I don't think either one of us would pretend for a second that this level of authentic living has always been easy, right? No. Or that we're doing it perfectly. Correct. Or that we don't, at times, betray ourselves unintentionally. But, mm. like, you were offered such a beautiful moment right there, like that choice point of, yeah, I'm going to feel really, like, you poured your heart into it, and then you got crushed, mm-hmm. and... I've been really leaning into this reminder all the time lately that um, our job as human beings having the spiritual experience is to feel the feelings, mm. but not to become them, right? Oh, I love that. And so, like, in that moment, you're f- I think I would have spun, like, for a while, mm-hmm. for sure. I'm not good enough, all of the limiting beliefs, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I should just do it their way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. You know what's so fascinating that I never thought about? I had, like, the exact opposite experience in that... I wanted, I was teaching in a studio that wasn't honoring alignment, and mm. I felt deeply called to the alignment-based practice, and I was swimming upstream in the opposite. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? I, that never occurred to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, they wanted me to do more rock'em, sock'em yoga, and I'm like, listen, like, <laughs> it's not in me. Maybe one day, but it's not in me, totally. right? Yeah. So, th- so that brings up a really beautiful point, Anne, and that is, is that it doesn't really matter what it is that you're performing for. Right. It really has so much to do with the authenticity in what you're living. So yeah. I just, like, that is the greatest gift. Uh, I'll never forget this. In, in um, A couple years ago, or about a year ago, I went to Arizona, and I got a reading, and the woman said, your greatest gift is your humanity. Mm. Your greatest gift is your humanity. Mm-hmm. You can teach people how to step into their light, but do it through your humanity mm. that keeps you real and honest mm-hmm. and relatable. Yeah. And Walk amongst your people, not above them. Yeah. Girl, I mean, I was just thinking, listening to you, I'm like, are we just, we're like, uh, we're soul sisters, number one. There's no doubt. Like, I hear you speak, and I was like, literally, I wanted to yell preach, like, the whole time. Mm. And I'm pretty sure I've said half of, like, we, we speak the same language, without question. Um, and I, what I always want to make sure that I'm doing is grounding myself in a way that makes sure that you know I am not above this work. I'm in it. I am totally fucking it up on a regular basis. Preach. And that... Like, that's it, that, that we're supposed to be in the messy humanness. And, get, right. and that you and I, in our positions that we're in, can use our lives as an example and an opportunity to others just to show them that, that it's, like, not one or the other. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah, right. I love that. That mm-hmm. humanity piece, it's a good way of putting that. So 10 years of sort of picking up pieces of who you were along mm. the way and cultivating your teaching mm-hmm. in a way that you want to do it. What did you do before teaching yoga? Such a great question. I, um, I actually went to Purdue University. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, graduated from Purdue University in yes. kinesiology. Okay. Movement and sports science. Okay. And I desperately wanted to go to physical therapy school. Mm. I was super competitive at the time. Graduated mm-hmm. um, high school in 91, college in 95. And in 95, it was a really trendy job. Yeah. Um, and therefore, the... The, the pressure and the competition was really high. Yeah. So four point or not, you're yeah. not getting in. Yeah. So I, you know, uh, I, I've heard it said, and I think this is one of the most brilliant statements. Someone told me this the other day. It says the six, the, the greatest success of a human being is their ability to exit plan B. Uh, yeah. In the most beautiful 
flawless, mm. seamless way. Yeah. So your ability to exit execute plan B is directly related to the success of you as a human. And so my plan B was physical therapy assistant school. Mm. And looking back on it, it makes a lot of sense because I've always wanted to work with people. I did some studying. I didn't get into physical therapy school right away. And therefore I stayed home for a year. And so I shadowed Mm -hmm. at a clinic and I realized that year of shadowing that I didn't even want to be a physical therapist. They were in the office doing like talking into a microphone. Yeah. Like I'm doing now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And they were doing paperwork. And I wanted to actually be with the people. Yeah. I felt like through humans and through human connection is how we learn and we grow. Yeah. Therefore, I went to physical therapy assistant school. Mm. Got it done in six months. I went to University of Indianapolis. It was a six-month intensive program. I worked at Riley Children's Hospital in Indianapolis for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, Got married pregnant and then did a stay the stay-at-home mom thing yeah. for a while got into fitness and taught a ton of fitness classes cycle boot camp all the things mm. and I just felt again another quiet call yoga yoga is the next next piece. thing yeah it's the next piece mm-hmm. and I sometimes think if we're quiet enough to listen the maps of our lives are laid out before us yeah If we can get quiet enough to hear and to see that which is unfolding before us, to us, for us, you know, Um, and it just went so smoothly, went and did teacher training and started studying under anybody I could. I would get to anybody's class. I went to all styles. Yeah. Dabbled into it. That's how we met, actually. I I came to Citizen and I was actually secretly, y'all need to know this. No, actually it was Citizen, I think. Okay. Y'all, I am intimidated by Anne Fancy. I think she is, um, she's like Mecca knowledge and definitely has been a mentor of mine. I used to come to your classes at Citizen and would listen to her brilliant cueing and insightful wisdom. And so having sit here, to sit here with you feels almost um, a little surreal to me. Mm. So thank you for the opportunity, for real. I love it. Yeah. I love it because, you know, when you came to Citizen, um, I totally was like, who's this chick with a surfer vibe, you yes. know, <laughs> right? Hey. But, but I could see big heart, right? Like mm-hmm. I went to your class and I was like, yeah, totally not my style, mm-hmm. but I see you and I love you for who you are. Mm-hmm. Right. And my first time here, I know that you were freaked out a little bit. I you was. <laughs> I was like, is alignment based and I don't even cue <laughs> where to put your right foot. Damn it. <laughs> right. Right. And I, and I, after, you know, and I was more intimidated because I was like, am I going to have to shake my butt, butt like publicly shake? <laughs> my booty around the room and what's going to happen here oh you know my God. right listen this is the beautiful example is right. worlds unite and this is the thing my friends mm. we are so much more alike than totally. different even though we are so different in the things we do and the things we love and like our hearts melt together because we're both passionate for the same thing totally which is real living and yeah and we're both standing preaching every yoga class we teach or whatever you call it every class we teach right. you know I mean um, you said today that you are just a um, like a cheerleader in, in a yoga body mm-hmm. and I was like yes like cheerleader in the sense that we are just trying to inspire motivate and um, you know coach people along to just keep stepping into truth that's right right. and I love that I love that because I feel like that's so often like I just use yoga is just the vehicle Mm -hmm. right now 
Same, right? And um, and the next, let's go back to next shiny thing because that's one of my favorite things is breadcrumbs. And um, mm. by the way, the name of this podcast is quickly changing to becoming illuminated because Ooh. it's all about calling light back to ourselves. And that every step you take that feels like the next right step, you are calling light into your body. Mm. And as you take that step, usually the next step also illuminates, mm. right? And that's all that people who are le- leading meaningful and contented lives are, lives are simply allowing. I just literally can see like the pebbles illuminating along the path right like as mm-hmm. you step you know it's like you can I just and that's what meaningful life and evolution means it may be really simple for you it may be small ways in your life and you're raising your children you're mm-hmm. doing these things it doesn't have to be big like maybe the things that you and I are doing mm-hmm. um but that was little tiny illuminations you know um okay I'll get off that pedestal. But that is like, that is it for me over and over and over again. That like, how do we illuminate? So what did that look like? So you went to PT school. What was your childhood like? I mean, you were, you're with me. We're in this like out there, woo-woo spiritual world. Were you raised like that? No. Right. Me the antithesis of <laughs> Same. that. Same. So I come from, um, you know, my parents were Episcopalian. Um, we, I lived a very traditional, um, see a great way to say a very traditional masculine Mm -hmm. world my dad was a football coach Mm. and um taught me so many things about coaching and I and a teacher Mm -hmm. my mom was a secretary and we lived in a humble home really humble life um Mm -hmm. but so opposite of who I am now and I I, I've always told this and if my family is listening hi guys yeah um I've always felt like I was born a little fish out of the water 100%. 100%. And mm-hmm. uh, wasn't always, didn't always fit into the paradigm of what I felt like I was raised in. I also think sometimes we're called in those places to not fit in. Yeah. And I think that is something that I've made terms with is I am very different and I see life very differently and my family doesn't understand a lot of the ways I see the world and decisions that I've made along my path. Yeah. So no, I'm one of two, I have two brothers on both sides of me, a lot of boy cousins. And then there's me in this, in this world of like, is it okay to be a girl? Right. Is it okay to be feminine? Right. So I took on a lot of masculinity. Yeah. Raising growing up because Mm -hmm. that's what I was supposed to do. Again, getting back to this. And getting attention from your father. Getting attention from father Mm -hmm. through the masculine things. Look what I did. Look what I accomplished. That masculinity. So, yeah, physical therapy school seemed like the right masculine masculine thing to do. Mm -hmm. And then started the perpetuation of the forever evolving career. So then it was like PTA, physical therapist assistant. Then I did some fitness stuff. And then I was like, you know what? I want to open a spa. Mm. So I should probably be trained as an esthetician and a cosmetologist because I should know the people that I'm hiring. So I went to the Veda school. Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. And... For a year, I got to have the most beautiful connections Mm -hmm. to people in the beauty world. Yeah. I was 30-something years old with a bunch of 18, 19-year-olds. Yeah. Living the world (laughs) of learning how to do hair and updos and facials. And it all was the same but with a different medium. So Mm -hmm. now my medium is yoga teaching. Yeah. Or teaching fitness or movement. Physical therapy at the time was teaching people about the body and the body wants to heal itself and connection. Yeah. And then it was hair and makeup and nails and facials, which was still about nurturing the body and loving. Self-care. Self-care. And as as I can look back on our lives, as we all can, we can kind of see the steps Mm -hmm. it's taken us to get to where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean... 
That, okay, yeah, that's I had no idea about Aveda. I'm like, yeah. wow. I, li- I literally looked at, I've always loved Aveda too. And I like, I, I pass by on my way to work. And like, there's always, my mom always said growing up that I should do hair. Isn't that funny? Same. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting you were saying about your dad and your family because um, there is something, there is a very masculine energy about you, mm-hmm. number one. And then you have this like beautiful feminine thing going on. What is it? Did you have to like reclaim your divine feminine? Have you been working to do that? Mm. Such a great question. Question. Or did it, you always feel like you had that? Did you so it's funny. I, I think I've always had a very feminine essence about me. As a matter of fact, when I've done a lot of spiritual work and they've taken me back to childhood or me working with some of my inner child wounds, yeah. has always been reclaiming the playful little girl. Yeah. Oh, for me, it's always been reclaiming that playful yeah. little girl. So okay. I probably took on a seriousness really quickly. Yeah. And, um, so, so for me, I was probably, I I think I was always very feminine and I took on, it was almost like, what's that, um, nature versus nurture. Yeah. So I feel like my nature was very, my essence is very feminine and yet I was trained in Um, a very masculine way. To be masculine. To be masculine. Get it done. Yeah. Getting it done. Um, not, not having a, um, having any form of. Like, we're not going to cry this out. We're going to just make this choice. We're going to get this done. And so yeah. I, I was taught that. And, you know, I look back on it, and it has helped a ton. Because mm-hmm. I think it is really both. I think we all have, both. men and women, Absolutely. have both inside of us. Yeah. And if we can tap into that, reclaim both aspects of ourselves, it makes us really feel whole, less needy, less sticky, yeah. less expectatious. Yeah, totally. Okay, so let's go back a step to playful and wounded because Mm. it's so interesting because I was, you know, in class and then, of course, I'm just thinking about everything outside of class, but deep thinking mostly. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about how, like, what is it that's different about you and I because we speak the same language when we're in that space. And to me, um, I was thinking of you as being more playful than I am, but then Mm. now in, like, one step back, I just incorporate play into... The reason yoga was good for me is the same reason that I'm hearing from you, which is that it reminded me to play Mm. and to, like, get upside down and to goof around and to fuck it up and Mm -hmm. just to, like, see what's here. Mm -hmm. Um, You just do that through dance, right? Totally. And for whatever reason, I have some pragmatic Methodist upbringing that doesn't, I don't know, like, (laughs) there's something very prude in my upbringing that, like, my parents were stiff and they, I I love them, but, like, there was no dancing in my house that I can recall, you know? (laughs) Right? And I don't really, I didn't think about that until now, like, why don't I dance around? I mean, Rosie, my daughter has taught me to dance Mm. again, right? And just to be silly. And yoga gave me playfulness because my nature is serious. And I think that, um, I think that's partly because people like you and I who have always leaned deeply spiritual um, and who probably came in maybe a little more awake and wiser also tend that shaman energy tends to be more serious. It does. Yeah. It does. And um, so play was important for me to relearn too. Mm-hmm. So what did that, what does inner child work look like for you? Mm, inner child work has been, um, wow, that's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> I want to tell you how I learned to tap into my inner child and it was through my dog. Mm. This is a really interesting moment for me. Recently, um, I've been doing a lot of inner child work because I've been going through some transitioning in my life and and realizing that a lot of the decisions and a lot of the things that have gotten me to the place that I am has very little to do with what's happening in, in front of me and has everything to do what happened when I was a kid. Yeah. And it's like, gosh, wow, someone told me one time, get this fact. 
approximately, don't quote me on this, like I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but it's really, really close. Maybe 87% of everything that we deal with today has to do with our childhood wounding. Yeah, I think absolutely. Core wounds, is it? Core wounding. So Mm -hmm. why not go back to that place where the story was created and or a belief system was integrated and or we took on something Mm -hmm. of someone's to sort of find that so we can then create healthy relationships in the future? Because I had it all wrong and I'm still working through that, but I've blamed a lot of my issues on my current relationship with my partner, realizing it has some to do with him, sure, um, but a lot to do with the core wounding. Yeah. And how you're viewing it and placing it back on the story. That's and, right. Yeah, and continue to fulfill that. That's exactly right. And not even looking at him as a person, but looking at him as who he represents. Yeah. Whoa, like yeah. that was a big one. But getting back to the childhood wounding, I was sitting, I don't know, it's like about a year ago or so, two years ago. My dog was just doing one of these, you know, and I'm yeah. like, what do you want? You know, what do you want? And I was looking at him and getting busy with my computer, planning class, returning an email, whatever. And it was just just like a subtle little whine. And I remember looking at him, turning my swivel chair and looking at him and being like, hey, Simba, what do you want? And he just like crawled one leg on top of the other to the chair. And it was like, I want you to pick me up. If he could talk, what he said was, I just want you to hold me. Yeah. He sat on my lap. No more whining, no more quiet. For almost an hour, I sat in return, and he just sat there. And I realized it has so little to do with me going back and fixing something. And everything to do with me literally turning my shoulders back at that person and being like, I see you. Yeah. I really see you. Yeah. I acknowledge you. I acknowledge what you've been through. I want to be the person that you wanted for yourself. You know, they always say, like, become the person you wanted as a child. Yeah. And so, to me, inner child work is really turning both of my shoulders at attention to the little girl that's scared. Mm -hmm. Today in class, I said, you know, as much as, like, people look at me and they're like, oh, my gosh, you get all these people to your class and you're having all these amazing opportunities and you own a studio and you're really out there and you're a Lululemon ambassador. Wow, you're so cool. And it's like, yeah, but there's also another part of me. It's even cooler. Yeah. And you know who she is? She's the scared little girl that chooses to show up even when she's fucking terrified. Totally. Totally. And I like that person more than the person you see. Because those are just a reflection of things I've been working on. Yeah. That's the healed part of me. That's the healed part of me. It's the wounded part of me that I'm still working through that's really the interesting stuff. That is it. Yeah. And people think I have chills on my arm. And I think the thing that that I, I... I have to say to those who are listening and really to be hopeful is it has so little to do with the accolades of the outside and it has everything to do with the journey of how you get back to you. Yeah. Because the journey back to you is what people will see and that will be a reflection. But if you're going out there to be the Lululemon ambassador or to be able to teach at conferences or to be able to do a podcast, Mm -hmm. you're up the wrong alley. Yes. Totally. Sorry. Because I, this is it. I mean, this is my whole, this is my shtick over and over again. It's like all of that external validation is never going to be the thing that allows you to feel connection, meaningful, contented, happy life. And by happy, I mean bullshit. Happy sometimes. That's and right. And also sad sometimes and hard and messy and all of it. But all of those things, because I hear the same thing lately. You're so out there. Yeah. You know what I'm doing? I'm stepping scared into every next right thing that I can talk myself into. Girl, I could cry thinking, I mean, like, yes, Anne, yes, 
and I walk beside you in that. It yeah. is it is not easy. What I'm doing, I mean, I'm scared to death. I woke up this morning, I was like, oh, podcast, what am I going to say that's being inspiring? It's like, maybe I should just be me. Yeah. Novel idea. <laughs> what the F, right? Right, right. right. Wow. And that's, Thank you, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's all it, that's all... That's all that I ever want out of this podcast is real, raw conversation, and I know you're capable of that, mm-hmm. and um, it's the private, quiet conversations that we can have here that I think that people need to hear so that they can start to have them in their lives, too, and that's why I always ask when I when I have a guest, like, are there boundaries around what you're willing to say? Because the more raw you'll get, the better and more well-received it will be, and um, the more light we add, right? Mm-hmm. So what are some of those hard truths, those smaller truths that you're working through right now that have been so challenging. So good. Um, So, you know, I have a perpetually challenged, um, I have have had and I'm currently having a very challenged personal relationship, partner relationship Mm -hmm. with with my loved one. Yeah. Um, It's been, it's interesting. It has manifested itself as one of my greater challenges in my life. Yeah. Because like I talked about in class today, it's easy for me to go and hug and love on a complete stranger. It's easy to get in front of, believe it or not, 45, 55, 65, 105 people and talk about vulnerability. But when I'm face to face with someone who sees me, Mm -hmm. who really sees me through the day in and day out from Mm -hmm. the coffee to the bedtime. Do you mm-hmm. feel me? Yes, one hundred percent. I feel you. I was gonna. I think I yelled out loud. Preach, preach. In that one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Is that is the moment where it's exposure? And yeah. so you know, I was divorced in 12, 2012. I uh, was apart from him for about a year and um, got back together. Lived back together for another five or six years, and then you know moved out in January again. Perpetually leaving. This is mm-hmm. what Kelly does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm working through. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's just, it's been a lot of back and forth. And it's interesting today at the end of class, and one of the things I'm really, to be honest with you, very rawly dealing with right now is the fact that I live out loud. Yeah. And when we live out loud and we expose our story and we tell our story, it it is hard and humbling to then get real with our story. Yeah. And it's almost like one of the things I've been thinking about in the last month, Ted and I are going to counseling now and Mm -hmm. working through some issues and seeing sort of what we're working with and where some of the triggering has been happening. Triggering has been a big thing I'm working through right now. Yeah. Creating this relationship with my partnering versus like uh, creating this relationship with my triggering versus calming myself down and not reacting from a triggering space. Yeah. Man, that's so hard. Yeah, I think that's that's like the work right there. That's the work. Whether it's the world triggering you, your partner triggering you, your dog, your kid, your mother, whoever, and not ju- not just fault playing the the repeat track again and again and again. Yeah, and having the same reaction you've always had, and fulfilling the same wounded story. Yes, I just keep repeating it again and again. I have to tell you just a really quick funny story about triggering, and I think it's an epidemic that our society is in right now, which is something someone says to you. A gaze with their eyes or Mm -hmm. them not looking at you or them pointing their finger. Anything can trigger us. Yes. And we don't know. Yeah. And um, yesterday my son came home from school. It was a very interesting story, but it's just like it made me realize this is really an epidemic in our world. And he was telling me about his teacher. He had, there was a series of slideshows or slides and they were supposed to be taking notes. And my son raised his hand and said, 
I'm having a really tough time, he's a freshman, um, staying focused because I don't really feel like you're teaching. I just feel like we're supposed to be writing down a bunch of notes, but I don't even know what I'm writing down. Super honest. Yeah. Right? So instead of the teacher reflectively listening back to him and saying, so what I'm hearing you, Maddox, say... Yes. (laughs) ...is that you're having a tough time with all these notes and that you would like a little bit more teaching. Did I get that right? And maybe where can we start? Yeah. Wow, what a divine response that would have been. Guess what happened? She said... So you don't think I'm a good teacher? And for the rest of the hour, she kept repeating back, so you, so Maddox doesn't think I'm a good teacher. And I say this not to expose her or expose Maddox or anything, but wow, we live in a world where we're constantly triggered. Yes. And being in relationship with our wounded place, yep. we are never really going to move beyond that place unless we understand Yeah. That's not a place I want to partner with. Yep. I want to acknowledge it. I want to see it. But I don't want to partner with that because if I partner with that, I'm reliving. I'm creating the same reality over, over and, and over, over and again. And, yes, you're reiterating it and digging the groove deeper. Absolutely. I mean. Yeah. And can, Yeah. Can I tell you what, just one thing what yeah, my therapist said? I think this is really powerful. She said, if we are in a reactive state, anytime we're in reactivity, we are in history. Yeah. Anytime we're in reactivity, we are in history. I mean, right? Whoa. How much do we live our lives in reactivity? Right? I mean, pretty much all the time. All the time. Yeah, especially with the people who are closest to us. That's when it really hits. Because it's a safe place that you can actually take your hair down and become really real. Yeah, and take it out on anybody around you who loves you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day because... Um, you know, in family, I have, you know, there's been just everyone has traumas, right? And mm-hmm. that siblings so often really take it out on one another and then as, as children. And then people always marvel as adults that they are so close. And I'm like, well, as children, they were the only safe place for one another to really work oh. that out. That for whatever reason, the parent relationship didn't feel safe. So they relied on one another to take that out on. And there's just so much. And they would do that. And they would be, but then ultimately they become like, um, war vets together like they went through the same traumas and then once they're on the other side of that in their adult life they become their greatest ally and you Mm. see that over and over Mm -hmm. again and I think it's really interesting from this perspective that you're Mm -hmm. saying you Mm -hmm. know because people are so hard on their siblings and it's like maybe there's just not enough safe space because us as parents I mean parenting is so triggering too like you think you're doing such a good job and then you hear yourself in certain moments and I'm like oh yeah you just handled that real awesome like just yesterday (laughs) I don't know I you know the morning rush right and I'm like so conscious of trying not to be a shame-based parent same right but then I'm like dude what the f man I let you watch the damn show and now we're late now you're daily dallying and like Like, I just get, like, so frustrated, and I'm like, oh, right? And I'm, like, putting it all on her. Mm -hmm. It's not her fucking fault. I'm the one who chose to let her watch the show. She's also a kid. I should give her more time. I'm the one aware of, she's seven. She's not following the clock, right? And then I create all that angst, which also makes her slow down, and I'm like, oh, you're you're doing an awesome job here, (laughs) right? Right? I mean, woo! All right, parenting award for the day, We are enlightened, by the way. I don't feel like we ever arrive. I do feel like those... I said something yesterday, um, and I think this is really true. I truly believe this, that everything, every experience in our life is an experiment, right? Everything that happens is an experiment, and everything is an invitation. Yeah. Everything. So a moment like that, you can either choose one of two things, right? Anybody, all of us have gone through this. We either choose this as an invitation to look within ourselves, or we shame-base ourselves. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. Two, two, two choices. Which yep. one do you want? Yeah. No, right, you know? absolutely. So I spent the day lamenting, and then when she got home from school, or I picked her up, I looked her in the eyes and I'm so said, I'm so sorry that I was a little snippy with you this morning and I was impatient, and um, mm. I'm sorry we had a rough morning, you know? And, like, to me, that kind of ownership is the best I can do and not beat myself up for it, but I'm aware, mm-hmm. like, that was not how I wanted that to go down, and, right. um, and we keep working on it, and that's, that's, that's it. Are you willing to look and go... Shit, I really fucked that up. Yep. By the way, I'll be putting an explicit on this one. Good. <laughs> um, I really fucked that up. I'm sorry I overreacted, right? Because I don't think I don't think that most of us are evolved enough yet in our relationships and our most intimate relationships to completely stop doing the triggered based stuff. Of course not. You know? Yeah. But but what we can do is go, oh, I just did that thing I've been doing and mm-hmm. I'm gonna retract it back and I'm gonna say I'm sorry and own it mm-hmm. and keep heightening my awareness around it so that maybe sometimes I can stop myself before it starts and I can own that piece of it. But that is such hard work. It's such hard work. And I think that one of the powerful tools, it's called the bounce back, Mm -hmm. is the comeback, which is how quickly can I come back? I I did a class about this the other day too, is like, how do you know you're cardiovascularly strong? Is your ability to come back to a regulated heart rate as quick as possible? And so we had this moment in class where I had the intensity rise really 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 hard and then I made them just stand in a quiet space until their heart rate came back to being able to sing again Mm. not to you know like we get to a place where we can't sing but we can maybe utter out a couple words that's like a really intense place yeah and then letting yourself arrive back to ourselves so we can sing again and I want you to think about that as a metaphor right in life is like how quickly can you come back Mm mm-hmm how quickly do you bounce back to yourself and come back and say, that's not who I want to be. I just had a conversation with a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours. She was saying how she yelled at her daughter the other day in the morning. And I said, listen, sis, I said, I was saying this to her. It's not about, I mean, eventually I'd like to get to you yelling less. Yeah. But let's focus on that. Let's focus on how quickly you come back to yourself. Yeah. How quickly come back and acknowledge. This is the trick that I'm learning in my own therapy right now, you know, with my partnership is how quickly can I come back to myself and not place blame on somebody else for the way that I feel. Yeah. Totally. Come back. Yeah. What's coming up? Why is it coming up? Why is it coming up? Mm-hmm. A part of me is unhealed. This is where the invitation comes in. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you, Kelly, this I whisper, this is actually for you. Right. <laughs> This is for you Mm -hmm. so that you can be invited back into yourself Mm -hmm. to see and to feel and to taste. Not, I love that where it's like we feel it to free it, but we don't want to stay in the feelings. Yes. Don't get stuck there. Don't get stuck there. Mm -hmm. Just go, you know, work through it. Like move through it like a car wash, right? We just kind of move through it like a car wash. We see a little more clear through the windows. Yeah. Come back to ourselves as quickly as possible. I call it the bounce back, the rebound. Yep. Quickly, can you come back? Yep. I, 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 I love that term, bounce back. I'm going to mm-hmm. use that because I talk about that all the time in class. I mean, and that's how we measure how our spiritual progress is going for totally. us. And we were just discussing in class that, you know, as, the, as we attract the type A's for various reasons, that anything can become numbing. I talk about this like at nauseum. So if you've heard it a thousand times, I think this is so important because even our defensive mechanisms, even the way that we relate and reactivate to our family and our closest, those, it can all just become 
nubbing opportunities mm-hmm. and that bounce back, right? Like you, if you leave yoga and you are immediately swearing on your way out um, because you're pissed about the way somebody parked or you're, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, if we're immediately triggered, like how well is our spiritual practice working? Because even the spiritual practice itself can become one more way to numb. Totally. And just... I've had, I keep having this conversation with people. I had it at coffee yesterday about mindfulness. I had a student come. I'd love to hear your feedback on this. I had a mm-hmm. student come and talk about how he and another um, coworker were talking about mindfulness, and they were talking about how they felt like their mindful practices had l- created for them almost this experience of being so neutral about everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's really interesting, except for that I think that means that something's not working still, right? Because if you get to the place where everything, you're so neutral, we talk, we hear this all the time, you know, the whole... The equanimity. Is, yeah, equanimity. The universe is neutral. You're meant to be neutral in everything. And I say, bullshit. Why are we embodying as humans if we're meant to be neutral and not have feelings? And I said to the him, I would ask you and your friend to consider, because this is what comes up first for me, am I muting my joy too, mm. right? Because we get, we're used to wallowing around. I think us spiritually leaning people are good at sad, and contemplative and wallowing pain, and like pain and yeah. like mm-hmm. getting in there and understanding it and examining it. But how much am I allowing that joy through? And if mm. I'm getting so mindful and numb that I'm just living in this in-between space and I'm not feeling anything enough, this too has become one more way to subdue life. I could not agree. I call that spiritual bypassing, by right. the way. It is, too. I, I, I think too. that, I think yeah. that, that um, unfortunately, I, <laughs> my dad was a science teacher, and this is kind of a joke we have around our house, because I was so the opposite of my dad. He's, he's quiet. He has very few words to say. He was taught as a child to speak when spoken to. And then he has me, who's like loud, and I laugh really loud, and I am really out there and it was like he used to say to me because he was a science teacher Kel we need to find some homeostasis here Mm. and I'm like what's that word dad Mm -hmm. you know like I would say this kind of like jokingly and 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 so and and even in yoga we talk about the middle ground we talk about this equanimous place where there is you know this too shall pass and we should like there's no attachments and all of these things and while those are hmm, maybe things to you know Consider. Consider. I love that word. Yes. I love consider. Yeah. Consider and gear toward or be aspire to or be inspired by. I think that numbness or middle ground is apathy. Yeah. Totally. I think it's apathy. I think it's, I'm not going to choose one way or another because P.S. We didn't come here we didn't come here to be neutral. We came here to be human. Yes. I, that's, that's it. That's human and in my humanness and in my woundedness I'm gonna cry I'm gonna scream I'm gonna be disappointed I'm gonna be fucking disappointed I'm gonna be mad I'm gonna be joyful I'm gonna be happy I'm gonna screech with joy and I'm gonna wail with sadness yes yes that's what makes me human yes I just this is the same kind I mean yes I'm with you and when I got exposed to tantric yoga Mm -hmm. Not like what you think of like as, you know, sex rituals, but tantric yoga is the expression of the human having the ability to feel all of the wholeness of life. And I was like, this, from coming from like Vedanta, which felt really oppressive and patriarchal and the Mm -hmm. Ashtanga, eight limbs and all this. And I was like, non-attachment? 
Really? I'm a woman. I'm a mother now. Like, you're telling me I'm not supposed to be attached to the outcome for my child? There is something that does not feel spiritual about that whatsoever. Totally. And maybe it's oversimplified. Maybe. But also, I think that this goes back to balancing divine feminine, that the patriarchy, you know, is even in those texts that the men could go live in the caves and leave their children and families and their wives behind to take care of everything Mm -hmm. and act like that's somehow higher, a higher goal. BS. I I could agree. Girl. Mm -hmm. Right. And so maybe non-attachment is just simplified too much so that we think that it means total non-attachment, right? Like it's we've made it to the extreme as Westerners. We tend to do that. We Mm -hmm. take it to the far extreme. And maybe it is this thing that we, I think of non-attachment with like when you're thinking of outcomes in your life or manifesting or creating that you're not attached to the outcome of that. I get that. Mm -hmm. But to act like non-attachment is a holy or spiritual experience while we're having the human experience it doesn't make any fucking sense to me. I, I, and I also think you set people up for, for failure. I think that when you say non-attachment or this too shall pass, you mm-hmm. shouldn't have an emotion about something, it's almost like you set people up to feel worse about themselves. It's shame. It's a hunt. I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. It's just like if I can't get the bind in a class, I can't move on to something else. Like, I'll just never understand that, which I don't want to get into that controversial style. But I just feel like, why are we shaming people? If we can get what we can get, let's just enjoy what we can get. Yeah. I I mean, I just, that's just my philosophy on life because what I think of as non-attachment, it isn't that I'm not going to have an emotion around something. It's that Kel, hey, why don't you do the work on yourself Mm -hmm. so that you don't need other people around you and so you're not such a sticky fucking ball. Yeah. Do you feel me? Like, you know, the ball you throw up on the wall and it just sticks to everything. I don't want to be that person in everybody else's life, so I'm going to work on myself. So I don't have to attach myself like a sucker fish yes. to somebody to feel better about myself. Totally. That's what I think out of attachment is. Yeah, because it's all right? the external again. It's all external. I totally relate to that. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a huge thing in my life, realizing... Uh, I think I think motherhood taught me that um, as an anxious person, I definitely clung to the people that I loved the most. And let's not pretend for a second that I'm not totally 100% clingy and attached to my daughter. Um, but <laughs> I love you. you I mean, honesty. that's the truth, right? right? Like, yeah. Uh, especially, you know, I have one. This is it, you yeah. know. And um, so. But it did. Te- it did allow me to really look at the places where I was, you know. That my anxiety, you were talking at the very front end about limiting beliefs mm-hmm. and how limiting beliefs are guiding us towards our deepest knowings, truths, work, all of yes. that, right? For me as an anxious kid and a really, really, really anxious child um, and also a depressed child, I now know that those were those were outcomes of not allowing my sensitivity to grow, but mm. also such gifts to look at what was underneath that for me, right? And and those attachments that I felt was because the world felt unsafe to me. Mm -hmm. And now that anxiety is such a gift because it guides me. When I'm anxious, I know that I'm not in alignment. That's right. And that's, that, I just, nobody taught me that. How would I know that in the world, you know? And so leaning into those, I don't know, even these sticky points, like, right? Like, what is it about, like, that's what I love. I love these conversations where we go, okay, what is it about non-attachment that doesn't feel right yeah right because there's it's there's something there that's right right. and I think I love that you just admitted to your clinginess because I Mm -hmm. totally relate to that right and and learning those things and and for me that that anxiety um was a lack of faith too and that totally 
you know, being given back or, or taking back my spiritual understanding in a way that didn't feel fear-based is huge. Huge. Right. I think, you know, I, the, one of the things I've been learning, and I think this is really true for everybody, but it looks different. So it's like, it's hard. I think there's like the common denominator is very similar, even though we all have very, very different journeys. And that is, is that we're afraid to authentically be ourselves because we're afraid to be an abandoned, to yeah. be abandoned. Yes. And if we're abandoned, then we're left alone. And by le- be, by being left alone, then we die. Yeah. Essentially, like like because yeah. primal, in, primal. Yeah. It's this primal, and we don't even know it's this thing. I mean, when I'm apart from Ted, one of the things is like when he goes on a trip someplace, or when he's gone from me, and I don't hear from him, I'm like, hi. You know, it's this yeah. abandonment where I have to stay attached, and people would be like, "That's you. You're jealous. You're clingy." I'm yeah. like, yeah. Because just like as much as I can be like out there and have some shit together, there is still parts of me that are, have these windows of like, that needs some work too. Yeah. Don't leave me. Yeah. And I think that just reminds me of this whole thing about being in the seat of a teacher in any way that we're doing that, as you and I keep showing up in the world in different and bigger ways, right? That people then expect, and my friend Lori, we talk about this all the time, right? People then expect you to not be fucking human. That's right. Yeah. And to not like, oh, you should be above being attached to your husband. Uh, Yeah. Nope. I'm still human, right? Yep. Yep. And And that's what keeps me real, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And this, I believe this to be our superpower in the way that we relate to people and that we can affect change is that the seat of the teacher feels unobtainable. Just like this idea, this BS idea of enlightenment as like detachment from the world and that you're so holy and spiritual that you are no longer grounded. I just keep going back to the same question. Why the fuck are we here then? That's right. Why are we here? That's right. Why did I embody if I didn't want to be embodied? That's right. Because you know what? I mean, whether we want to talk about this or not, like, it's one of those kind of things is like, the reality is, is I want to be liked too. Yeah. And I can stand up front and say all this powerful thing. And I can say things like, I don't give two fucks. And I can say all these things. In reality, we really do care. And Mm -hmm. to the closest people to us, we share a shimmer of that. You know, I start teacher training um, when I do teacher training at the space. And I say, listen, this this is not going to be your all-inclusive training to be a teacher. I encourage you to study under many, many, many people. This is one avenue yeah. to get you into yourself and to learn a little bit about this amazing practice. And I want to say, mm-hmm. I ain't your guru. Right. I don't want to be that person. Yep. I don't want to be that seat because I'm going to say something that's going to disappoint you. I'm going to perform in a way. I'm not going to show up yep. because I'm working really hard to show up for myself. Yeah. And I can't always show up for other people in the same capacity, and I'm going to disappoint you. And so you're right. I think that's a really powerful thing, whether you're a teacher or a parent. People ask me this a lot of times, Anne, and I think this is really something really beautiful to talk about, and that's parenting, is as I have a very, very close relationship with my daughter. I'm really proud of that relationship. And, And to my older son, he's going through some shifting and changing, and I'm letting him kind of have a little bit of space as he's navigating some things. Um... And Ryan, if you're listening, I also think part of that is your confusion about where I've been in my relationship. So I think there's my part that plays into some of that as well. But with Olivia, one of the things people always ask, well, what's your, what's your like secret? Mm -hmm. You know what my secret is? It's Mm -hmm. so simple is I admit my wrongdoings. Yeah. I keep it 100% real. And I say that all the time. Yeah. Mom doesn't know. Yeah. I ask her her opinion. Yeah. And I have even when she's seven. Yeah. Hey, what do you Rosie, think? what do you think? Yep. You're so smart. Hey, Olivia, what do you think? Yep. 
Because ultimately, the greatest gift, and I think I learned this from Wayne Dyer, is the greatest gift, the greatest teacher, is the one who always points them back to themselves. Mm-hmm. And is the greatest teacher is one who teaches people that inside of them there is an inner compass. Yes. That inner compass is theirs and theirs alone. Mm-hmm. They have to find what their north is. Yep. Their east is, yep. what their south is, what their west is. Yep. They have to find that. Yep. That's the greatest teacher. Yep. One who points them back to themselves so they can find it. Because guess what? Mom and dad aren't going to be around all the time. No. And when the doors close and they go to college or they go over to a friend's house, they still have to find their true north. Absolutely. You feel me? Yes, 100%. And um, what's so interesting is that the transition from six to seven has been the most fascinating mm. and challenging for me because so many of these skills of inviting her to learn to listen to her own compass has allowed her then to be the kind of kid that says when her friends are like, hey, do you want to come over? She's like, no. Right? Awesome. (laughs) And part of me is like so proud that she has zero FOMO and she's so guided by what she wants in any moment, right? Yes. And then part of me is like, by the way, the universe doesn't revolve around you and sometimes you might hurt your friend's feelings and they might not invite you over anymore and I don't know which way to lean and I just waffle between the two at different times, you know? But she is so like, no, listen, girl, this is who I am and no, I don't want to come over. I would like to go home and sit on my couch and watch a little show and decompress and like, I, it's so, she's so powerful and she's starting to know it and I am both like excited and scared to fucking death of what comes next. Oh my know? god, I, I'm just sitting here like literally like cringing. Like yeah. I'm just like like my arms are going up <laughs> and down. Like, yes, I have watched my daughter do things that scare the shit out of me. Like she will say, um, no. And I'm like literally pit sweating. Yes. That she has the ability to say no in a situation like that. I'm like, you're not gonna like you're you you're supposed to be people please them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Like, come on. You're not making your friends happy. You're not making your friends happy, and this is making me feel very uncomfortable because you're saying no. Yeah. I remember her leaving for college and being like, just so you know, you've got to be really clear with your boundaries. And she goes, Mom, you know who you're talking to. Right. Like, she has no, she doesn't care. I mean, I'm sure she's battled with some of that, but it's just really beautiful to see her stand in her own power. I'm so proud of you, Olivia. And just that you have been the greatest teacher for mm-hmm. me to stand so clearly so we're doing something right. Yeah. We're giving them an ounce of something, and whether it's right or wrong, keep pushing that part of herself because the people around her will either jump on that same shift, yeah. ship, if you will, and or they'll move in a different direction, and those aren't her people anyway. Totally. I they'll know that. They'll be like, that, girl, right? yeah. stay home, watch your show. Yeah, totally. And it's this reminder that I have this conversation all the time, which is with other mothers and parents because I'm trying to talk it out and remind myself, right? Some of us are natural leaders and some of us are natural followers and Mm -hmm. both are okay. Yes. And like those of us who have children, especially daughters who tend to be leaders, you know, we get the bossy, right? Like I have a little plaque that says, I'm not bossy. I just know what you should be doing. (laughs) And like, I mean, I am raising that person too, right? And she, I, I see that she is a leader and I, and I have to just allow myself to respect and allow her to be who she is. I heard once something on NPR, this woman who wrote a book, and it was essentially like, we keep trying as parents to like, um, basically create, I'm sure I'm going to fuck this up, but we're trying to create other, like we're trying to, 
instead of letting planting the garden bed with beautiful nutrients and allowing them to blossom into who they are, we're trying to micromanage the growth of that plant and turn them often into some other, you know, we're turning a carrot into an onion essentially, right? Because we have this vision for what we think they should be and who they should be. And our job as parents is to tend to the garden, but allow them to blossom into who they are. I love right? that so much. Me too. And it's hard. And it's hard. <laughs> right? It's hard. Yeah. Because you're like, well, you should be achieving or whatever your shtick is. Whatever your shtick is. Mm-hmm. Whether it's you think they should be an athlete and they're an artist or you think they should be cool and they're a nerd or what, like, whatever your shtick is, it's our job to allow them to do that and also model that by being ourselves. And I keep going mm. back this last month or two to Breathing the Wilderness, Brene Brown. It's about belonging to yourself. And when you belong to yourself... The rest of it melts away. You don't have to perform anymore. You don't have to. You were talking about thunder thought or Mm -hmm. having big thighs and getting Mm -hmm. your bathing suit, right? Mm -hmm. When you belong to yourself, you can allow yourself to show up in the world in whatever way that feels vulnerable. And if we can teach our children this now, so they don't have to undo Mm. all of that that that's we've that's been done to us, you know. I mean, that is that's like all the body image shit. I don't know where you are with all of that, mm-hmm. but like I wasted an entire decade and a half at least worrying about the size of my body, the shape of my body, how big I was, how small I was, and that was just a big fucking numbing agent for me to not stand in my light and power. And I think, you know, retrospect, right? Yeah, I sure. always want to go to myself like, listen, if you would have started this at twenty, you know, look how you imagine, right. right, right. But it's it's um it's real, and it's allowed me to really. You know, none of us get to, like, none of us get the easy path. None of us get an escape mm-hmm. route through the bullshit. But if we can own that, then we don't have to pass that on, mm-hmm. right? Oh, my gosh, I love that. Like, yeah, there's a quote that just says, unless we deal with our wounding, we bleed. Yes. We bleed on the people mm-hmm. that we love. Mm-hmm. I love that one. And I, I have found that in parenting. I watch, you know, I'm, I'm 46. I have a, a 20, almost 21-year-old, an 18-year-old. And my youngest is 14, and I've watched a lot of parenting. Yeah. I've watched a lot of people parent. I've done some parenting myself. And I'm, I, have, I actually have a lot of friends right now in my life that have younger children. Yeah. And one of my biggest senses of, of encouragement is, listen, number one, stay in your own lane mm-hmm. as a parent. Mm-hmm. Keep working on you so you don't put your stuff on them. Yeah. By the way... This is your journey and your life and the one you picked this time. Yeah, I agree. We'll talk about that next. Yep. Yep. And so, therefore, don't put your stuff on them. They have their own journey they're going through right Mm -hmm. now. They picked that journey. They don't really need to juggle your shit and their shit. Right. Yeah, you know? Like, how many balls can we juggle, people? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I always say, people say, you know, what do you do? I said, you keep coming and you keep working on yourself. You keep getting yourself into podcasts, into books, into therapy, and, you know, self-help kind of things, whatever it is you need yep. to do the work yep. so that you're not putting your stuff on Rosie. So I'm not putting my stuff on my kids yep. because that's like the greatest gift we can give them as, as teachers. You totally. Know? And then offer yourself some deep compassion around the reality that you are going to put your stuff on them. 100%. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, I, I go back to sometimes, I'm like, well... All kids need a little resilience because if they don't, have, if I don't fuck them up in some way, right, they won't be able to handle the world, right? Preach. We have this thing in our house. We always say, "Listen, we have a college fund and a therapy fund. We're saving for both." Because I'm sure I'm fucking you up. Right. I love that. I love that. Or we'll just divide it in half, and whichever you need more of, or you know, it's like a, it's a, it's a move. It's a flexible fund. Right? It'll just go. Ain't no shame. Th- ain't no shame in the therapy game. No. I mean, you know what I mean. Like, listen, we need somebody to talk it out yeah. and somebody to point things out in us yep. because yeah 
like a great therapist is a great teacher. They point you back to yourself and we ultimately figure it out. Yes. We, we really do. Yeah. Some of us just need more guidance and help. Yeah. And I, yeah. So, um, I, it, back to picking your parents, right? Yes. Cause I think about this Same. often and it's interesting because choosing to have a child as a two mom family, yeah. you know, people would, would put their shit on you and be like, what, what is she going to do without a dad role model? And by the way, if you've met my wife, she's more a dad and a man than half the men I know. So, and I mean that in a loving way, she's yes. a total badass and completely yeah. capable and she's doing just fine in that game but you know you 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 take on all of this concern of from the world right mm-hmm. and I kept like defaulting back to listen I knew she was coming she knew what she was getting herself into this soul knew what was up and so I'm, this is not like I don't need to take some weird guilt around this like oh you don't have a mom and a dad like that's on you she knew what she signed up for our children literally choose us they know what they're stepping into I love that and so whatever pain and wounding you do have like heaping dose of grace and humility and compassion and love while you're working through it and if you can protect them or save them by saving yourself awesome and if you don't it's also like just one baby step at a time. It's all okay, mm. you know? I always say something, too, and I think this is a really humble thing, is, like, the reality is I don't think we're supposed to have all of our shit together. I don't either. By the way, and I think in that place of, um, <laughs> I always say bravery, bravery without compassion is abuse. Yeah. So go be brave. Awesome. Step into the places that, you know, feel scary to you. Do something that scares you every day. You know, admit this or admit that or whatever, but do it in a bath full of compassion. Mm-hmm. Bathe yourself in compassion in whatever it is you're doing. Because I, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've looked across to my kids with, with sometimes tears in my eyes and I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, I, mm-hmm. I like, I, I, I know I'm not, I don't have it all together and I've left and moved out more times than I want to admit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I know I've taken your steady ground of your rooting place and somewhere new, some work around the root chakra. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There we go. Here's, what I, can, here's what I can do. Let's go get some hematite and some more jasper right. and lay yourself down. <laughs> I know. I'll put a rock on your stomach. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like compassion to knowing we're not getting it right all the time. No. And that's that. that. It's the toxic perfectionism culture. And ding, ding, ding. Yeah. And we can't belong to ourselves if we're constantly trying to keep up these measuring sticks and this. And who set the measuring game. sticks anyway, by the way? No shit. No right? Yeah. Let's talk about who set those measuring sticks. Nobody we care about. Right? right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, I think like what you were saying about no- North Compass, right? And yeah. the magnetic north of your soul. Um, mm. That all is is coming back to yourself and learning even who exists within that space. Like, mm. who the who am I? When, I? when I start to, when I peel away all of these distractions and all of these belief systems and all these things but that never belong to me, mm. including your core wounds, right? Yeah, those belong to you, but most of those often come from ancestral you know, wounding that we just get passed down and on. And like, I think those of us in these conversations are the ones that have come to break those cycles and I agree. stop it and see like the buck stops here because our world is deeply wounded and broken. And if we don't start to stop these cycles, if we don't take that deep responsibility, by the way, while we're living it out and fucking it up, right, then this is how we change the world. We change right. the world by stopping these cycles and owning it. And it's going to be really messy, complicated, ugly, and painful mm-hmm. but taking that radical responsibility is is how we change the world and how we yes yeah and yeah. it really is in the small steps like yeah. I, like we talked about the very beginning of this podcast we yeah. talked about 
big things versus small things. And, you know, somebody could be listening to this and it's like, well, number one, I'm not a yoga teacher. And number two, maybe I'm not even a parent yet. Or number three, you know, I I can't relate to that. But but here's the thing is whatever you're doing and whoever you are at whatever season you are, you are making dramatic changes by taking one step at a time. I was reading from the Cleo Wade, her new book, which by the way, Cleo Wade, I love you. Listen to this podcast. <laughs> I don't know who she is. I okay. She's this incredible. Yeah, um, she writes this incredible book called Heart Talk. And then the second book, I can't think of the name of it right now, but she just got it out. And she said, you know, I am part of the national security in this world. No, I wasn't elected. But what I am is I'm part of this movement where I want people to feel safe in this world. Mm -hmm. And it's just by reaching my hand out. It's about giving eye contact instead of looking down. It's about paying it forward in some way, not necessarily financially, but in kindness. And energy. It's all energy. energy. It's all energy. Yeah. And I just think it's in the small steps. And I just think it's just one. I always say this. It's really just one step at a time. It's one breath at a time. Yeah. The, our contribution yeah. is is our working on ourselves with, with kindness and compassion. Just one yeah. baby, baby step at a time. And compassionately showing up in mm-hmm. the world. However that is, that might be a small conversation. That might be um, making amends with somebody. It, yes. can be, it can be simply speaking up at a meeting or like, I think, I think it's Brene that talks about it, like showing up in these ordinary moments, right? She talks about stepping into the arena. Yes. And, but it's an ordinary moment. It's that's speaking right. when you are called to speak from your soul, even though you're scared, yeah. whether that's admitting you're wrong to your child because you just yelled at them yeah. or sharing something with your spouse that feels really vulnerable or apologizing for reacting, reacting because out of this wound that you always react out of you know mm-hmm. I mean those are the ways that we call light back again and that's right. that's, that's how we raise the collective consciousness mm-hmm. you know those of us in the spiritual world don't want to take responsibility for who's in power these days for example right, right. but those small judgments moments of hatred separation, ignoring the homeless person on the street and not making eye contact, um, those small, small betrayals of self all mm. contribute back, unfortunately, to the negativity in the world. Mm-hmm. But that is both empowering and disempowering. You can focus on that and you can get stuck in that, mm-hmm. or you can focus on these beautiful, tiny, empowering steps you can take wherever you are in your life. hundred percent. I think right. it was Rachel in one of your podcasts, and I love this. Yeah. Rachel, it was so powerful that you said this. It was something about, like, whether you like who's in our you know on our political world right now or not bottom line is we still have to pl- come from a place of love and kindness yeah and why not reflect that it's kind of like we don't have to like everything mm-hmm. but we can come at it from a place of love and yes. kindness so we're moving our collective forward exactly versus contributing to the negative it yes. goes back to the law of attraction good old law of attraction yeah. secret yeah totally i mean and, and she and she even says it just watered down truth right it's yeah. all fucking energy this is ellen degeneres sitting next to george bush senior that's right and having you know and getting so much slack for that and she was like when i say you know be kind to one another I don't mean be kind to only the people you like preach right it's be kind period Period. that's it yes that's your job yes humankind like this isn't just spiritual bypassing airy fairy bullshit that's right this is how do I really live out compassion and and that is an act of self-love too Mm -hmm. by the way you know Mm -hmm. showing up like that is deep self-love it is Miguel Ruiz, greatest, greatest, like four agreements, like one of the greatest truths I think yeah. in this world, how other people treat you is always a direct result of how they feel about themselves. Yes. If I'm wounded, 
you know, it's like all the songs, all the country songs, all yeah. the songs, hurt people, hurt people. You know, yes. we know them all. Yes. We're hurt all victims. People. We're all victims of this. Victims. Yeah. I'm hurt, so yeah. let me, I feel like shit, so let me, let me, let me usher you into shit, too. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Poopy meet poopy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good t-shirt you should sell. I think so, yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> After you make the, let's disappoint. Like, yeah, disappoint. Yeah, disappointer. That's disappointer. my Yeah. Uh, yeah. Poopy meet poopy. You know, it's like this is hurt people, hurt people. So it's like, why don't we start loving so we can then love people where they are? It doesn't mean we have to like everything. Yeah. And I, I think yeah. that's a really. And here's yeah. the other hard truth because I was re listening to some Brene stuff this week, which is she has power vulnerability, which is on, um, it's an audible, it's a sounds true three part thing. Anyway, it's great because it just kind of um, hits back to most of her work. And she was, I was reminded of your level, her quote, um, which is a truth, a universal truth, which is your level of self-love is always equal to your level of self-acceptance. Right. And so if you are not truly deeply working on self-acceptance, that means all of it, your light, your dark, your shadow, your wounds, your skills, gifts, and talents, it's all of it. If you are not deeply working that full spectrum of loving on yourself, that means all the ways you fucked up in the past, all the ways that you continue to be reactive or activate, react by the world, all of it. If you're mm-hmm. not really deeply looking at that and loving on that, you cannot love your children as much as you think you are. You cannot love anyone as much as you think you are. So it mm-hmm. always goes back to the work of self. Always. Always. Because otherwise we are just those people bleeding on everyone. Mm-hmm. And like this is not stuff we don't know. Mm-hmm. But like what is that really looking like in mm-hmm. your life, right? Like for you right now, you're working at the deepest, most intimate and most triggering relationship. That's right. Me too, man. I mean, yeah. right? Like yeah. I... G and I, my wife and I have been together 10 years. We've known each other, I don't know, 16, you know? And um, there's, there is many of these years have been really hard, right? Yes. Yeah. Like thank most you. of that. And thank you for being honest. Yeah. Because that's the thing. It's like one of the things that I think is, is coming a little more clear these days, but I think it's been missing. At least I feel like, I mean, I'm just, I mean, I'm just a little bit older. And I think this older generation from like, let's just, let's just gear, gear to say when I say older generation from like 50 beyond, yeah. I think it's really foreign to talk about. I talk about a lot about this with my mom, but just about like, about the reality of people's lives. Like, let's talk real talk. And so thank you for being real. And I think that's one of the things many, many people don't talk about is my partnership with with Ted has been a very triggering relationship. And one of the things we're talking about now is, like, there is a very deep love that we have for each other, but we have to do it different this time. Yeah. You know, and I love uh, a a friend of mine who, who has been helping me through and navigating this. She says... I think this is from the Gottmans, but we all have actually, if you never have divorced, we have many marriages and divorces within the relationship. Oh, so true. And you think of like, remember in 2010 when we like didn't talk? Yeah. Like the whole year? And then, you know, like things like that. And then it was like, remember 2012 was like a really great year and we had like a lot of breakthroughs. Yeah. And it's like any long-term, really close personal relationship is ebbing and flowing always and let's get real people let's Mm -hmm. like talk about the real stuff that we hate and love the person that we choose to be with and we choose to be with them probably because we hate and love them yes do you feel me yes i feel you and like the thing that i've i've been i always say is that there is just i am deeply committed to our partnership on a soul level and if i didn't have that commitment i would not be able to see us through all of these as you said, marriages and divorces within the 
the con- yes. I love that. And it's just a recommitment back to love over and, and over, over and over and again. Over again. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's really hard and most people aren't willing to see and be seen and continue to commit back when it gets hard. I agree. And so they ditch and run. Yep. And and I don't and I've ditched and run within it. You know, yeah. I shut down and I've done a million terrible things, unintentionally wounding her because I was wounded or, you know, I mean, that's it. I, somebody, mm-hmm. there was some random documentary that I watched and the dude, the main dude, I, this is how I do gist too. I don't remember details of much it, of anything, yeah. but the main dude that was in it went to some, um, wise shaman or, um, you know, somebody and the, the guy said, and he was, he was contemplating his, his most intimate relationship. And, and he was like, if you basically choose not to be in intimate relationships in your life, you choose not to be married or choose like that level of partnership. Like that is the greatest disservice to your soul. Like you won't grow in the ways that are possible for you. And I was like, again, preach man. Like, yes, there is nothing that has taught me more, even more than parenting at this point. At you know, same committing back over and over and over again to love. Same. Yeah, and our parents, my parents, and our parents' generation had that in the loyalty, but yes. not in the work. That is okay. So, by the way, token that phrase and like, please LLC that somewhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They've done it in the because there is a really big difference, and like, I want to just like talk about that for a hot yeah. second, if that's okay. Like, yeah, it's not sure. a fucking podcast. I'm like, let's talk about this. No, like, this okay, is, I'm like this being is bossy. how the podcast goes. Okay, Own cool. It, girl. Yeah. Um, and that is is that there is a level of loyalty, but I think it's different than the work. It is. So I know a lot of relationships because I talk a lot about relationships because to me, relationships are the window to our soul. Uh huh. The mirror. They are the, they are the mirror. Mm-hmm. Hello, mirror, mirror on the wall. Do you see me? Flaws yes. and all. Yes. Fuck yeah, I see you. Yeah. Right. So it's like okay, like because if I could have Ted sitting right here, he'd tell you a whole new version of Kelly that he sees that nobody else gets to see. Hundred percent. Right. Yeah. And that's the humble part. And it wouldn't the, be very pretty if you. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not the prettiest one. Yeah. You know, the one that ignores and stomps her feet, throw things around, and leaves. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Um, so. What I was saying with that is there is a there is a difference between being loyal to somebody and then putting in the work. And I think a lot of relationships, judgment or not, this isn't about like saying right or wrong, is like I'm gonna be loyal because it's my commitment to maybe some higher religion or some higher status or this is what their parents did or I would never leave. Yes. Or it's too scary. Yes. But there isn't the work of uniting. Yeah. Totally, to, to me, totally two different and things. growing together. And growing together. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know a lot of relationships that chose a long time ago just to stop being intimate. Yeah. Like 20 years ago. Wow. Wow. Like, mm-hmm. what does that even look like? And yeah. why? Because it was too much to try to go there why it wasn't happening. Yeah. So it's better just to, again, numb. Yeah. We can numb in exercise. We can numb in television. We can numb in relationships. Yep. It's just, do you choose a more socially acceptable numbing agent or a less socially acceptable one? There you go. Alcohol or Netflix and chill. That's you right. Know, wine with the moms. That's or, right. You know. Yeah. Or a bag of popcorn. Yep. Or overeating. Or overeating. Yep. Yeah. And or no and no judgment. Or under eating. <laughs> that right. one too. Yep. Yeah. Or focusing on spirituality and yes. reading. And yeah, I mean, there's a thousand ways. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's exactly it, is that um, 
in fact, uh, I'm going to kind of out myself on this with, with my wife, but like, you know, from her perspective, she's watched my parents, um, my parents have been married over 50 years. And so there have been moments for her coming from an unstable background Mm -hmm. that she said, well, you just staying because your parents did and you think you're supposed to. Mm. Right. And I had to like, you know, I took that for a second and I knew that my gut was no, like I'm staying because I'm committed to you and our love and our family and our relationship. But, you know, we, I have, um, perfectionism issues in my life, right? Like where I, uh, that has been something I've, I've battled it with, mm-hmm. uh, forever. Right. And, um, and so I had to really look at that. And then on the other side of that, when those of us who have come from places that were unstable, are you just ditching and running? Cause that was what was modeled to you. And mm-hmm. that's come up for us. Like to look, to really look at that, you know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, it isn't just, uh, loyalty, right? Real relationship is that ebb and flow and that constant recommitment and betrayal that we work through mm-hmm. as we grow. Mm-hmm. And that is the difference, I think, in, in true spiritual, spiritually driven, I mean, like from the soul, yeah. or soulfully driven relationships. And, and thank you, number yeah. one, for outing yourself. Because yeah. it's like, it's really scary to like say stuff because it's like, I think to myself, you know, even like, am I holding back from saying certain things because certain people will be listening? And yeah. then it's like, gosh, you know, at what point do you break the barrier of just like, this is my hairy, scary, messy life yeah. and truth. Yeah. You know, I, there's those beautiful quotes that say, we didn't come here to master unconditional love. Right. It's where we came from and where we'll go back to. Yeah. We came here to master this messy, mm-hmm. crazy, sweaty. Yeah like really confusing up and down type of love. And I, yeah. I could not, I am the ultimate model of that in my yeah. own life. And yeah. I sometimes feel shame around that. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and say, I don't feel any shame around that. I do feel shame around that. But I also, if I'm really truthful, I, I don't know that I would want it any other way. No. I mean, that's just it, right? <laughs> Traumas and all, wounds and all. Like, yeah. You know, people have said to me, oh, I'm so sorry you had that experience as a kid or whatever that is. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not. Like, yeah, that I'm is a, not. I, that that has allowed me to be who I am, and without it, I wouldn't be able to sit from this vantage point yet. And I'm sure there's more mess to continue to uncover and more truth to tell, mm-hmm. right? And I will do that. And if it's deep wounds, you know, that's it. It was it's exposure that we don't want it. We want to. I want to be able to speak my truth without exposing others who will be hurt by it. Yeah. Yeah. But. I love you. I'm sure it's going to be all right. You know, right. Like it's, it's, that is the truth of it. And what's really painful is that just like, I want to go back to that point where you're like, Mm. your parents were saying, or your mother or whoever, Mm. my mother completely, I love you too, mom does this where she'll look on Facebook and do, Oh, so-and-so's life looks so amazing. And I was like, Oh, do you know that, um, her, you know, she doesn't get along with her mother-in-law who's, you know, super narcissistic and Mm -hmm. her other mother, her mother struggles with depression and she too is having a lot of anxiety and this happened and that happened and they're on the verge of a divorce. And like, you know, or they have six miscarriages or so-and-so's yes. brother just committed suicide or like life, right? You don't see that. That's right. And our parents' generation, 100%, believe, my mother believes that, but she's an innate truth teller. So she was like, right. why isn't everybody else sharing their shit? You know? And I'm like, because most people aren't, they're just not. They're right? not. But you can't believe what you see here. That's right. And I think this is it. These raw conversations that uncover the reality that... N- that people's marriages are not as they appear and that the ones that stay are the ones that have been through the mess usually. Yes. And if they haven't, you can see it on them. I agree. And I want to tell you something, and this is a really, um, I'm going to out myself with this, but I, I recently had, I don't know, it was about six months ago, four months ago, whatever, time is irrelevant to me. Yeah. 
um, someone said, you know, your messages are real heavy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, first let me swallow my spit. <laughs> okay, got it. Yeah. Check. Yep. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And I'm going to continue. Yeah. So if it's not for you... I wish you well. Yeah. Someplace else. And this is why is, yeah, what I'm talking about in the room is heavy. I talk about a lot of things Mm -hmm. and sometimes people don't want to talk about that. They just want to move to Michael Jackson or to Celine Dion or whoever, you know, I'm aging myself right now for sure. (laughs) For Drake. Celine's great. You know, all the things. All of them. Um, Whitney Houston and all the things. Um, And so... They just want to move to the music and get lost in the music. And while that's great, too, I want to address some things because I don't want to be lost. I want to heal. Yeah. I want, I to, want to evolve. Yeah. Yeah, I want to evolve. Mm-hmm. And so I'll always be in that place. And I remember someone saying that to me, and I remember thinking to myself, maybe I should pull it back and just have a class about celebration. Yeah. And those, t- those are great too. Yeah. But I also just want to keep, keep being real with myself. And so if it comes off heavy, mm-hmm. that's okay too. Cause heavy isn't always bad. Yes. Right. It, dark shadow isn't inherently bad. That's right. Yeah. It is a reflection. It, it is what shows the trueness of our reflection in that space. You know, it mm-hmm. is the quartz. It yeah. is that a dark place has to be able to show us some of the light. And so mm-hmm. You know, again, like, you know, heavy or not heavy, truth or not heavy, I'm just, or truth or not truth, I'm just going to continue doing that because that's what's real to me. And I'll just, I, I have to, it is a battle I still face where I see some of those people where they, I know that they want just a light and cheery class. And I have to keep saying to myself, just keep doing you. Yes. There is a lid for every pot, and I may not be mm. your lid. Oh, I love that, Ian. <laughs> I, I, I have love had that. So this is so interesting that you're talking about this because I had um, a student tell me, say something about a review that he read, and he was like, it was clearly about you. And the student interpreted what you said as saying, if you don't like me, get out. Oh. And may, that may have just been an oversimplification of what I was saying to an extent because what I continue to have learned through teaching yoga, so this is, I don't know where you stand on this, but I am very aware that I am a, I am a recovering perfectionist who may used to make myself sick to the point of diarrhea every time I taught yoga because mm. I would, knew that I was putting myself out into the world to be completely judged, right? And if you liked me or didn't like me, was was my paycheck was dependent on that, mm-hmm. right? And I had to... And there are many times I probably betrayed myself showing up not fully as I am. Mm. But I eventually not, it did not take too long for me to get to the point where I was like, like it or not, here I am, right? Mm -hmm. And if you don't like me, it's okay. There are a lot of other yoga teachers in the world. And if my truth is too heavy for you or what I say is too triggering for you, that's okay. Maybe you're not ready for me. I'm okay. I'm okay with it because all I can do is belong to myself and speak my truth and show up as I am called to show up. Mm. And if you're not ready, that's okay. Go somewhere else where you can dance and sing and pretend that you don't have shit too. That's right. (laughs) Right? It's okay. Or do whatever it is that makes you feel whatever you need because you're going to eventually come face to face. I'll never forget. I mean, in one of my teaching things that I had gone to or a workshop or something, one of the teachers said, listen, teachers in this room, it was a a workshop for teachers. It says, he was saying, I think, I I don't even remember who it was. It's so funny. Yeah. Is, um, you have to piss your students off. Yeah. 
that's part of taking them, you know, we talk, we, talk, we talk about the edge. Let's talk about the edge. Like, the yeah. edge. What's the edge? The edge is, like, going to the place that you wouldn't necessarily go on your own. Yep. It's a little too hard. Um, it's like it's like the forest walk that's, like, one step deeper into the woods that yes. you wouldn't go yourself because you're just not certain of the path yet. Yeah. And you wouldn't do it alone. Wouldn't do it alone. Mm-hmm. Can't fully see it. Yeah. Um, might sprain your ankle, yeah. like, you know, those, those moments. Yeah. The edge is where you go there, the place you don't really want to go, but the view is that much more beautiful. Mm. But you just don't want to go beyond that because you would fall off the cliff and die. Not <laughs> 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 to put it like at a dark edge there right. or anything. Right. Just die. don't die. Right. right. So, yeah. let's, you know, let's talk about the edge, and it's like some people's edge is in truth-telling. Some people's edge is in your cussing. Some people's yeah. edge is in the jumping jacks. Yeah. Some people's edge is, is being correct in their pose yes totally and so whatever it is I always tell people I invite you to be pissed off I say the same thing my job is to agitate you yeah I am here to literally poke the bear yeah let me rub up against your coal why so you can be a diamond yes Yep. You know the story of the pearl. The pearl yep. is a piece of is the piece of grit that gets inside the oyster, yep. and the oyster emits this this stuff called narc, and it coats the piece of dirt yep. over and over and over again. And guess what? The coating turns into pearl. pearl. Right. Totally. Let me agitate you. Yeah. Yeah. And agitation, by the way, isn't bad. It's our choice how we want to participate in the agitation. Hi, agitation. I see you. Yeah. What's here? You're not going to win. Yeah. What's here? Invitation mm-hmm. again. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. I think of uh, it's. It, Rachel said it the other week, and I, it was just so clear and so easy. And it's. I've heard it a thousand times, but that we have the opportunity to go th- to grow either through pain and suffering or through joy. Now mm. that gets oversimplified because we think of joy as like, oh, I'm going to go just you know frolic through the forest and learn. Um, no, joy means that I lean into what makes me joyful mm. and that I'm willing to lean into what brings me joy. But that alone is even uncomfortable and agitating for most of us, yes. right? Bernays says joy is the most vulnerable emotion of all. And I'm like, hell yeah, man. Preach. It's why I probably can't shake my booty as much as I need to in your class. That's right. Because you know what? <laughs> it could be taken away. Yes, exactly. It's too fleeting. It's too fleeting. Yep. Yep. So yep. play is fleeting yes. and all of those, those pieces. But I agree a hundred percent. I know my job in the world at whatever platform I'm on is to agitate, mm-hmm. to piss you off a little bit, to, to dig. I just think of it as, um, everybody's walking around armored and I'm just trying to chip away at the armor, whether that's the armor of your belief that's still kind of stuck to your childhood or your religion or your whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's your storytelling about who you are, if it's your faulty beliefs, if it's your unwillingness to show up, I'm just trying to chip away, just little by little chip away until you can allow yourself to be seen a little bit more yeah. and step into your truth and own your fullness. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's, you and I do the same thing. I love that. Yeah. And that's what this is all about because if more of us, you said it today, coming alive, right? Like if more of us come alive, there's some great quote about that, but like our job is to come alive. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you're going to like create, you're going to elevate to this role of like magical whatever, or just like, it doesn't mean you're going to do this huge thing, but can you come alive in your daily moments of your life? Mm-hmm. I love it. I, I think it's a Steve Jobs quote. It's like what the world needs. It doesn't need a bunch of people just doing the same thing. It needs passionate people. Yeah. It needs people coming alive yeah. because Marianne Williamson's quote that I have quoted on my arm is yeah. like, what you do is you then in your life, you give people then permission to do the same. Yes. 
And if like, I love the fact that your podcast is becoming, instead of becoming, it's called illuminating now is like, you know, I just, I go back to the same quote. I, I just cannot, I just cannot get enough of this. It's, mm-hmm. it's never, it's never that we're, we're afraid we can't succeed. It, I think it's always the fact that we're afraid of our brilliance. Yep. Always. So let us chip away at the people to remind them that they are brilliant yes. and they deserve to shine yes. and they deserve to be seen. Today I said in class, I said, listen, friends, we have two choices. We either stay hidden and heartbroken mm-hmm. or we live out loud and get heartbroken. Yeah. So make a choice. Yeah. Step in, step out. You don't get to avoid pain. That's right. Guess what? Or you joy. S- or joy. Right. Put yourself out there and be exposed. It's going to be the same feeling and then you get to have more. Than staying hidden, hidden. Yeah, you're not gonna have any less. It's, it's you're gonna feel miserable. Yeah, totally. So put the fucking swimsuits on. Yeah, I said today, I was like, wait for the washboards, abs, and then you're gonna be mad at yourself because you don't have perfect triceps. Like, right. let's start living, people. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love it too. Um, I keep feeling like the one last thing I want to say yes. is the lobster quote. There's Ugh. this the idea of the lobster, which I love, right? It's that it's like that, that the lobster um, literally waits until the pain is too much to stay inside their shell because they are outgrowing it. Mm. And then they go and they hide under a rock and they find a safe place to be really raw and vulnerable and exposed and they grow back their shell, right? And this like ebb and flow, but like... Our lives are asking us to outgrow our shells, to get raw and vulnerable, and then you can armor back up and go back out into the world. Like with, once you've kind of healed that wound a little, and you share a little more of yourself, yes. you know. But you keep Love growing. That. Yes. So let the agitation build. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's so many more things we could talk about. Do you have anything that you feel like you didn't say that you need Aww. to say today? We can just do this again sometime. I know. I love it. Well, really I want to know what's next. What's next for you? Yeah, that's great. What's next for me? You know, I, I, uh, I feel a little call to the coaching world. Yeah. One-on-one coaching is calling me a little bit. Don't know what that looks like. Um, and at some point, um, I'd love to be into more motivational speaking. Yeah, same girl. Yeah, I've got an idea for us. Let's okay. talk about it. Yeah, cool. um, team us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I was thinking in class too. So while I was, you know, squatting and booty shaking and jumping jacks, right. I was thinking about, I'm like, what can Kelly and I do I together? Know, right? I know, right? I love this. So I hopped around the room uh, in my vulnerability. Good. Yeah, good. and I smiled. Can you yes. even believe it? Um, yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, my wife, I, she, one day I'll bring her and she'll just die. She'll probably uh. just die in the corner. <laughs> she'll die watching you expose yourself. No, because so it's too painful for her to even expose herself in that way. Oh my God. Yeah, she was like, you're doing what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm going to go, I'm going to shake it. Yeah. <laughs> Next time I just request a little more booty shaking. Okay, I will. I'm well, ready. I'm, I'm bringing it. I'm going to bring it. I feel ready. You don't, style. Yeah, don't tamp it down at all. Okay. Don't hide it all for okay. me. We can just I might bring the moonwalk in. Awesome. Okay, cool. I'm on board. Right, okay. Let's do it. I love it. <laughs> I love you. I love you. Thank you. This was awesome. Um, literally, we could do probably another hour and a half, but for people sure. might... <laughs> lose their minds listening to us um okay thank you and if you want to follow kelly um she's probably on all of the facebook and instagrams and the places and um her place is called the space and it's in brighton and if you want to carpool um from the east side you can uh reach out to me and we will get a little bus coming on over here um so fun and thank you for everything this is awesome thank you Isn't Kelly awesome? I adore her. If you want to follow her, look for The Space Brighton on Facebook and uh, follow Kelly McMullen on Facebook and Instagram. 
uh, if you are enjoying this podcast. Again, please share. And I'd love for you to join our community, the Becoming Community on Facebook. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram and all other social media platforms as Anne Fancy. And I look forward to connecting with you more in the future. Thanks again. I hope you have a beautiful, beautiful day.